The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. What is up? Welcome to this edition of The Shaleen Show. It's Friday Car Smart Edition. I'm in the car. I'm, I'm actually happy that we're in your car, honey. Because my car is smooth. Yeah, your car is quieter than mine. <laughs> mine growls. And we're recording this on Friday. Brett's like, wait, what are we talking about? I said, don't worry. I got this. All right, you guys put your seatbelt on. We are going for a ride. So today I wanted to really make this a very specific Alzheimer's episode and I've designed it for those of you who are dealing with someone who has Alzheimer's or dementia or you have a loved one who is a caregiver. Hopefully this episode will help. It's based on kind of a summary of the best books, podcasts, and advice that we've received from this amazing community. I have to say, going through this experience with uh, Bob, who's my father-in-law, Brett's dad, living with us uh, and coping with his Alzheimer's, helping him fight that, has been a tremendously rewarding experience in large part because of this community. Like you guys reaching out after you listen to the podcast, talking to you on Instagram, talking to you on TikTok. Like it's just so lucky. Like my mother-in-law um, was telling me like, gosh, Lena, I look at the comments that you get under the posts that you do sometimes about the situation and people are so amazing. They're so lovely and they're so helpful. And I do want to say thank you. And so many of these tips are taken from uh, people who are trained to work with memory care patients. Some of these tips are from the books that we've read. And a lot of them are things that we've been able to put into practice. And I hope that this is helpful for you. We'll start with communication because I think that is one of the toughest areas to cope with when you have someone who has dementia and or all when I say dementia you know I also that includes Alzheimer's and there's many different types of dementia and of course there's certainly different stages so take that into consideration when you think about these suggestions but the first one is that there comes a point at which you realize the person doesn't have much short-term memory or they just don't even have the cognition to be able to understand certain concepts. So at that stage, it is up to you to recognize that you're putting them in a compromised position and probably making them feel worse by asking questions like, so do you remember Dave? Or what did you do last night? Or even like, how did you sleep last night? They just don't know. Or what do you want to eat? That's another good one. Yeah. (laughs) What do you want to eat? Like they just cannot, we're laughing because it's like, that it seems like such a simple question, but there comes a point in which you, that's just rude to ask it. Because the answer will always be, or more more times than not, will be, "I'm not hungry," because they can't come up with a, a specific food, which they know that's what you want. So they just say, oh, "I'm not hungry," or I, I, "I'm," or "I just ate." Yeah, or maybe they don't even know if they're hungry. But they, for for Bob, he couldn't. If you said name a food, he couldn't name one. No, no. I mean. Maybe just the mere fact of us putting him on the spot, he wouldn't be able to name one. Now, if we, it's, it's weird. Like he, he would know what spaghetti is, but if you asked him 
what is this? He, he would forget the word. So anyways, at a certain point, you've got to stop asking questions like, do you want to go to sleep? Are you tired? Like you can't even say things like that. You, you Instead, you want to make statements like, oh, we remember Dave. Or, you know what? I bet we're hungry. You know, just make, make statements as opposed to asking questions. You know, rather than saying like, can you sit here? Or do you want to eat? Or are you hungry? It's like, hey, let's get a bite to eat. Why don't you have a seat right here? That, that kind of thing. Basic questions can really be a struggle. We've noticed now that if we say even like grab your socks, he, he knows to put socks on his feet, but yet if we said go upstairs and get, get your socks, he wouldn't come down with socks. He just doesn't identify those items. Next, it is really important because they often don't make sense. And so to argue, to debate, or to correct them is futile. And frankly, it's it's childish on your part because that's like arguing with a newborn baby. Like it just doesn't make any sense to argue, to debate or correct them. When they say, here's how we handle it. Bob will say, uh, Debbie was just here. That's his wife. And we'll say, oh, oh really? Huh? Well, I'm not sure if she was just here, but I think she was here recently. So it's not like we're correcting him. We're almost giving it like a gray area. And that's because it kind of matters. If it doesn't matter, like if he says uh, there was a car in the ocean, we'll be like, really? That's wild. You know, we just kind of agree. Yeah, he's, he's thought for two months now that there's two buoys that trap lobsters that you can see about 50 yards off our shore. He thinks it's two people swimming there every day. In the same spot. In the same spot, just treading, treading just treading water. And I, I tell him they're training for the Olympics for water polo. Yeah, we just... We just agree with them, you know, and and that's so much easier because every time that they are corrected or you argue with them or you debate them, it it is so hard in their brains. It creates so much anxiety and frustration and embarrassment and stress and stress makes dementia worse. It also makes it worse for you. Oh, 100%. It's just, there's just no reason to correct you know, unless they're in, in danger, unless they endanger themselves or something like that. But most of the time, it's just crazy talk. A lot of times, they don't understand what they're trying to say or convey to you. So you yeah. just you just go along with it. You might even make something up. Like, think you know what they're doing. You're just like, oh, yeah, that the guy across the street, yeah, he, he's doing that. You and try to fill in the blanks for them. We've seen so many people almost passive-aggressively let them dangle, let them struggle to explain something where... If you spend any amount of time with someone, you know what they're trying to... It's like a child. You learn when they're two years old and they don't have a great command of the language. A parent who's with that child all the time speaks that child's missing words. They, they, they know what the child is trying to communicate. I would also say that the only time you might want to disagree with them is when it's in their best interest. So if Bob is to say, like yesterday, we took him on an outing to, to the to get a pedicure totally <laughs> funny story i ain't touching those feet i love my father-in-law but i ain't going near those dumb and dumber feet have you seen that scene from dumb and dumber was it dumb and dumber yeah i ain't going near those feet so we got him to go get a pedicure but anyways we told him about two hours before the appointment that we were going to do that might have been a mistake i don't know because he immediately gets dressed and he's sitting on the edge of his seat and he's like we're going now right? Like, let's go. So that's a situation where it's not that we want to argue with him or debate him, but we're like, 
because he doesn't have a concept of time, we're like, well, it's going to be a little bit. We're going to wait a little bit so that we're comfortable here and we don't have to wait in the salon. And he's like, okay, okay. But, but we're going right now in, in a little bit. So there are times where you, own, not you have to correct them, but you might have to, what would you call it? Well, that was definitely, uh, I'm not going to call it a mistake. It's just we told him a little too early. Mm-hmm. So it's, you do something else to like buy the time. So it was like 5.30 when we were doing this. So we just, he loves to have like his evening cocktail. So we just made him his evening cocktail, which then all of a sudden we just diverted the situation where like now he's not thinking about like yeah. leaving. He's thinking about, oh, I'm enjoying this. I'm going to watch a little TV. That's a really good suggestion that I forgot to put on this list. I made a little uh, list of notes to go over with you guys. But another good suggestion is distraction. So you sometimes I've heard from people it's hard to lie even though you know that lie is in the person's best interest. So say, for example, one of my members of the community here was telling me about how their mother, when she was like 70 years old thought she was pregnant with twins (laughs) I know and that everyone would argue with her and they would tell her that it's not possible you know they just like debate her and reason with her and it's just like and she would say oh it's lovely let you know let's just make sure you're you're eating well for the babies like why not just agree with them but if you can't do that because I understand some people just cannot do that well then your only other option is you've got to create a distraction and that's pretty easy to do you you know so many people who struggle with a a alzheimer's patient it's it's because you're not using your own common sense and understanding that you can't use common sense with this person they don't have common sense they are impaired so you know i'll hear about these stories where they like debate and argue and then the person with dementia gets angry and even violent and physical it's like well what are you doing like just and I I recognize that I don't know all situations sometimes that just is a personality change and God bless you if that's what's going on but it's pretty easy to just distract you know to to create a distraction to to pretend you didn't hear the question and a lot of times that will work I'm not saying it will always work but I would definitely try that my next tip is to Remember that about the worst thing you can do for someone with who, who has dementia is just let them sit. If they're not using their brain and they're not using their body, they are deteriorating. And that is hard. It's hard to do. It means you've got to be available. And that's why for some of you, it makes a lot more sense to have your loved one in the care of someone who's been trained to do this and has the time and availability to do this. If you're working full-time and that person is just sitting in a chair all day for eight hours, they are regressing. They are going to decline faster than if they were in the care of someone who could keep them busy and active and give them purpose. We give Bob lots and lots of activities that make him believe he has great purpose in our home. So we bought a portable vacuum, we have him wash the dishes, and then re- we put them in the dishwasher, but he doesn't even see that. He takes, the tr- he takes the trash out 17 times a day. At least. He takes the trash cans out oh, almost every day. Yep. Because he, he thinks every day is Monday, and they're coming to pick them up. Uh-huh. And he, he will go to the mailman and, and say, like, dude, when, dude, when are you going to come get the trash? The, <laughs> Matt's so confused. He's so confused. But we just ordered, and this is another great suggestion from the community here. Uh, we just ordered these little business cards that say, Bob has Alzheimer's. 
thank you so much for your patience and understanding. And then that way we have a little, you know, five of them in our pocket at all times. So if we encounter someone, which happens sometimes on a walk or when we take them on outings and he'll do things that are, you know, people don't understand. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of the times when I, cause I run a lot of errands with them, he'll forget you know, whether he forgets a mask or he just doesn't know like the sequence of things to do. And it's just sometimes or people, he starts to pimp people. Yeah. Or he'll start talking to people and making zero sense. And so, and people kind of like, look at him like, and then they look at me and then it would be so much easier just to kind of like hand him a card and they like, look, and they're like, Oh, okay. Gotcha. Yeah. So much easier. Cause sometimes you, cause you can't like say something in front of you, you know, you could, but that would be kind of, you know that I don't know. That would be right. That would be right. Well, first of all, it isn't okay because Bob hates the word Alzheimer's. Yes. He likes to call it his thing and point to his head. Yeah. <laughs> Which you think has something to do with his hair loss? Oh, that's another thing Bob did this week. He shaved off his beard, his eyebrows, and half his hair, the whole front side of his hair. But he he knows he did that, and he and he, he even knew it was a mistake, which is kind of cute. Yeah, but he you know he's like he'll grow back. Yeah, it'll grow back. But that was a good lesson for us. It's like, okay, so you know what? He doesn't need to shave himself anymore. We can take him to the barber for a nice shave once a week. Next tip for you is to understand that they usually don't have a good concept of time. And at least from what we understand, a lot of people with dementia have anxiety, a lot of anxiety around like what's happening next. And, you know, think about it. You, You feel so out of control. So... We have learned that if it's anything he might have to worry or think about, we don't tell him until moments before. There's no need to. There's no, he doesn't have short-term memory, so it's not like it gives him something to look forward to. It just gives him something to worry about. Even with my mom, my mom came out to stay with us two weeks ago and she, she drives from Colorado, so it's two days. We didn't tell him, like, mom's going to be here in two days because he would not understand that. We literally told him when she was five minutes away. And then he wasn't even surprised when she walked in because he has no concept of time, so he wasn't clear on whether she had been gone for a couple of months or a couple of hours. I think he knew it was at least a day, but he, she walked in, he's like, hello. Like, yeah. you know, kind of like, no big deal. And we're <laughs> like, what the heck? <laughs> because he's normally, like, just obsessed obsessive about Debbie and now he's like becoming obsessive about Brett like Brett will say I just need a break I'm gonna go upstairs and hide in our bedroom and I'll be like okay I got this and Bob will just stand next to me for the entire time like Brett was in his bedroom for like an hour yesterday and Bob stood next to me the entire time like what do you think he's doing is he okay you think he's sick where's the big guy what's the big guy doing is the big guy is the big guy sleeping is he napping is he sick like he was just like I kept laughing, but you think that's pretty funny, huh? Yeah. If they have questions that center around their anxiety, like, is my mom okay? Or have we fed the cats and you don't have cats? Rather than saying we don't have cats or your mom has passed away, you want to give them the, an answer that is going to calm them, not confuse them and not be conflicting with their beliefs in that moment. So you want to just say, yeah, m- mom's doing great. And you, and she's if on vacation, yeah. And if he's like vacation, she never took vacations. And then you're like, Oh wait, I'm wrong. She is actually visiting her friend. You know, you just keep looking for the right answer. And usually that will work. I would 
I don't know if this is true for everyone, but I would minimize any complaining about virtually anything in front of them because I find they tend to worry for you. Remember that even if their cognition has declined, that doesn't necessarily mean that their hearing or their vision has declined. Although sometimes both have happened, but like with Bob. He's got bionic ears. Oh my gosh. And so sometimes, you know, people will like kind of whisper about him, you know, or like, oh, he, you know, has he had his medications, that kind of thing. And we, we were doing that at first and then we realized this guy can hear us upstairs with a pillow you know, wrapped around our heads, he could still hear us whispering. So we have learned to speak in code and we've created, you know, certain things that we both understand what we're saying. Yeah. We just, you know, Shalene looks at me and she says, Brett, have you taken your meds today? Yeah. I, I know what she's talking about. So yeah. Next, it's important that you understand that sleep is the ultimate medication. And I do want to mention that if you're dealing with a Alzheimer's patient who is really sleep deprived and very anxious, you should be working with a geriatric specialist, you know, and maybe that's your primary care physician that could refer you to someone, but ideally you want to work with some, a physician who specializes with dementia patients and Alzheimer's patients because their needs are very specific. And there are medications that we have found of helped tremendously with his anxiety and his sleep. I shouldn't say tremendously. They've helped. Yeah. They've, they've taken off the edge. Yeah, we think so. But there is no better drug than sleep. And so everything you can do to improve sleep, giving them the same bedtime every single night, making sure the lights start to get dim before they go to bed, creating as much it's, you know, like we tell Bob every night, like, don't, when you wake up, just go back to sleep. Like, I don't know why we even say that. Cause he, he's like, oh yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. You got it. And I'm going to sleep forever. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to set a new record. He's up the next day at midnight. Bob, Bob goes to sleep around seven 30. And when he wakes up sometimes he could still go to the bar and get a drink. So he's up before 2am. Yeah, this is true, but we work on it and it's a never ending practice because it's so, so, so important. It's so important for you. It's so important for you to avoid getting Alzheimer's. It's so important for you to avoid getting cancer. It's so important for you to regulate stress. It's, it's the most important thing. It's more important than exercise. And it's even more important than nutrition, your sleep. Bye, honey. Bye. He's dropping me off. Okay. Now I'm inside. I'm at the office, Brett dropped me off. Anyways, just to finish up, let me see if there's any last tips I wanted to share with you. Oh, ah, yes. Diet is everything. We have been tracking his nutrition like a science project. And we have almost, I can almost say very, with great, great certainty that when his carbohydrate and sugar intake are up, his emotions are out of control. When we can keep him very low carb, high in healthy fats, emotions stay in check. People have been following him on social media, so they've been sending him little gift packages and they're always filled with sweets. And I, I hate to do this, but I'm just gonna have to toss those now or give them to someone else because when we give them to him, woo, it's just not cute. It's not good. No caffeine, high healthy fats, as much really plant-based fats and protein as possible, you know, more on the fat side and as low sugar and carbohydrates as possible really helps with their cognitions. There's plenty, just do a, a Google search PubMed and look at dementia and cognition with regard to diet and you'll be convinced. 
the worst thing you can do is just let them be. Like you've got to give them activities, make them feel like they have purpose, even if they're in intentional activities just to keep them busy and make sure that they know that they're helping you. And then the last thing I want to say is that it's so important that you just practice patience and creativity and kindness. And just as you only have one opportunity to raise your children, it's a, it's a quick season, it's a short season, a short season where the days feel like an eternity. I think that's the stage that we're in right now. And it's hard and it's long, but it is a gift. And we're really fortunate to have set up our lives in such a way that we can move work projects aside. We can say, that's all right. We can do that next year. We have done a lot of work and with God as our guide, who must have known this is going to be where we would be at. We've done credible things with our portfolio so that our money makes us money so we don't have to be working 24-7. We've put a lot of projects on hold because we really want to be present in this season for as long as we can. And as I always say, this is a take it one day at a time challenge. Uh, For those of you who ask, like, how long will you take care of them? I, I don't know that answer. Only God does. And we just will make sure that our health doesn't sacrifice And part of the way that we do that is through education and your support. So thank you so much for sharing this with someone you know who has a loved one with dementia. I hope that they find it helpful. Thank you for following along on Instagram as well. I love you. I mean it. And I'll talk to you soon. is your moment. Your moment to move forward and make progress. It's time to see where an education can take you. For over 130 years, Strayer University has been at the forefront of change, offering programs that help students like you get ahead and stay ahead so you can keep striving. Visit Strayer.edu to learn more. Strayer University is certified to operate in Virginia by Chef.